Please open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We are in chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. This is God's word. This is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, he created him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. And when they were created, he called them man. When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. And he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years and then he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years, and then he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived 905 years, and then he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he was no more, because God took him away. When Methuselah had lived 187 years, he became the father of Lamech. And after he became the father of Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Methuselah lived 969 years, and then he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord is cursed. After Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Lamech lived 777 years, then he died. After Noah was 500 years old, he became the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth. God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word.
What strikes you about that passage as you think about it? Um, any, anybody notice that these people tend to uh, live a long time? I mean, did that, were you even conscious as it was being read? Do you, do you realize these people live, they, they got even older than I am, okay? A whole lot older than I am. Some of them didn't have their first child until they were older than I am. These, these people lived a long time. Now, some people look at that and they say, well, obviously, <laughs> you know, this, is, this is some sort of uh, mythological significance. Maybe, it's, maybe they measured time differently. Um, maybe when they say they lived that long, they're talking about their influence or their family or whatever. Well, none of that really works with what it just says. Well, I don't know that I can really believe that people lived that long. Isn't it interesting that there are people today, some of them with PhDs, uh, who are arguing that we're really close to finding out medically how to make it possible for people to live indefinitely, okay? We've, we, we've been working on this, researching on it, and there's some big money going into this research because people are afraid of death. And, and, and they're looking for ways to stop the aging process and to make it so that we can just keep on going, okay? And, and there have also been some uh, books written and uh, movies made about, uh, it's science fiction, about how in the future they're gonna be cloning folks in order to get replacement organs so that people can keep on going, you know? I mean, already we can get new uh, shoulders and knees and hips and that kind of thing. So wouldn't it be great if, if I had a supply of kidneys that were genetically identical to me, okay? That'd be great, we'd grow them in a lab, and then if mine give out, we just slap the new ones in, okay? It's great, I mean, it's like going in, getting a new engine in your car. Now, I've, I've already had some work done on my heart. I did, they didn't have a, a clone of me to replace the valve in my aorta, but they did find a pig that apparently had a lot in common with me. I'm, I'm trusting you won't uh, make fun of me for that. <laughs> But that was deliberate, folks. If you didn't hear the snort, you missed it. There, there are serious people, educated people, putting a lot of money and time and effort into trying to figure out a way that we can just live longer and longer and longer lives. Interestingly, the life expectancy in, in our country apparently has gone down three years since we all started getting uh, vaccinated. Well, I'm sure that has nothing to do with vaccination. I, I don't know. I, I just know that life expectancy has gone down and that when they try to find the reasons, so far the explanations are not working out real well. Pastor Wood, are you saying that the vaccines are going to cause, 
cause us all to drop dead? No, here's what I'm really saying. If you look at this chapter, there is an interesting group of unusual names. There are a whole bunch of really long timelines as far as how long people lived. But they had one thing in common. They all died, with the exception of Enoch. We're going to talk about Enoch in a moment, but first I want to talk about the fact that everybody else died. They all died. There, well, uh, Noah, right here at the end, it doesn't tell how old he was when he died. Well, that's because his story's about to come starting in the next chapter. This is giving the background. This is from Adam to Noah. It's talking about how long they lived. There's a, a new movie series or something on one of the networks that uh, talks about the royal line in England, and I, I don't mean the crown, it's some other thing. And uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be any good, but apparently in the first episode, um, Hotspur Percy gets killed. Now, why would that even come up? Well, because he was one of my ancestors, the, the real guy. Hotspur Percy, his nickname was Hotspur because he was so fast that his enemies nicknamed him that because they were impressed with his bravery and courage and, and swiftness in getting to the battle and working in the battles, okay? Brilliant, courageous ancestor of mine. Got killed in the first episode. What if he hadn't been killed in the first episode? Uh, he's, he's still dead. He's still dead. Famous man in British history. Dead. Queen of England just died. I reminded you of that previously. And uh, she lived a really long time. She was up in her 90s. She reigned longer than any monarch in British history. But you know what happened? She died. Now, why is this so important? Well, I guess Pastor Wood's just getting old, and so he's kind of morbidly fixated on death. No, it's because so many of my friends have already died. So many people I know. I have seen up close as people died. And you know, there's not something you can do to keep it from happening. Sometimes you can prolong a person's life. Often, unfortunately, they just prolong a person's death. But sooner or later, they die. Pastor Wood, okay, you've made your point. We're all going to die. Why do you want to beat a dead horse? so to speak. Because I want you to face a reality 
that has sent tons of people around the world into panic in recent years. Why was everybody scared to death of COVID? Because it can kill you. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, so can the flu. So can a car accident. So can any number of things. When we were living on Cape Cod many years ago, uh, there was a horrible electrical storm and uh, crashes of thunder and flashes of lightning. And I heard my son, Paul, my oldest, crying in the next room and crying apparently with the intention that we would hear. And so I went to him and I said, what's the matter? And he said, I'm afraid lightning is going to come in the window and kill me. I said, son, you do not have to worry about that. Glass is used as an insulator for electrical power lines, okay? They use little glass things up there on the poles because it will not transmit the electricity, okay? So you don't have to worry that lightning is going to come through the glass. He said, I'm just still afraid that it's going to come to... I said, son, you're a child. Believe me, lightning cannot come in the window and kill you, okay? Now go back to sleep. I was really irritated with the boy because he didn't want to just take my word for it because he had this anxiety. I finally went back to bed, tried to go back to sleep before I had to get up early in the morning for a men's prayer breakfast, hate those. Prayer is great, breakfast is good, men are fine, but, but early morning, I, I don't want to have to deal with others, you understand, okay? I can get up early in the morning, do what I have to do, but I'd rather not have to be spiritual around you, okay? But when you're the pastor of the church and they want a men's prayer breakfast, you can't say, well, you guys do that, I'll... I'll see you about 10. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I knew I was going to have to get up soon and go, and so I lay in the bed and stewed and was frustrated and finally got up and went to the church for the men's prayer breakfast. We were gathering, and guys are being nice and pleasant. Some guys have already had several cups of coffee, and they're in great shape. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's going on. And, and this guy comes to the door, Rick Dennis, and he said, I mean, he looked terrible. He said, Pastor Wood, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to miss the breakfast this morning, but I wanted to stop by and ask you to please pray for me and for my family. And I said, sure, Rick, what's going on? He said, well, I'm on my way to Cape Cod Hospital in Hyannis because um, this morning, uh, during that electrical storm, lightning came in the window at my sister's house and it hit her husband in the bed and he burst into flames and he's dead but she's in the hospital with burns from trying to beat the flames out on his body. Okay, I'll definitely pray. And then I started replaying my conversation with my son that morning, where I was telling him, do not worry, lightning cannot come in the window. 
unless you're at Rick's brother-in-law's house, in which case you, uh, it might kill you. I didn't say that to Paul, and I didn't tell him that story for a long time. <laughs> I didn't go back after the men's prayer breakfast and say, hey, Paul, listen, just wanted you to know, I was wrong, lightning can come in the window, so next time, go ahead and cry, and uh, maybe that'll help keep it away. Now again, why do, why do I tell you these stories? Because the fact is you can be killed by any number of freakish things or you can die in old age a nice normal death. But we're all going to face God. Every single one of us. Well, what if, I, what if I could extend my life to be 200? And then you die. Well, 300, and then you die. Well, Bob, who's lived the longest? Methuselah, he's in this chapter. He died in the year of the flood. Isn't that interesting? Noah's granddaddy died in the year of the flood. Very possibly in the flood, thinking that his grandson, Noah, was crazy. We don't know. We just know there's nothing in here about Methuselah walking with God. And when we read about what it was like in Noah's day, there is no suggestion that Methuselah was one of the good guys or that Noah's father was one of the good guys. We're going to find out about Noah and the fact that he obeyed God. But he was a standout in his generation. So, all these people live a really long time and then they die. Why is that? Why is death so universal? Because God said, in the day that you eat the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. Well, they didn't die on that day. Death entered the picture, and ultimately they started dying. Years ago, Joseph Bailey was teaching a course on death and dying at Gordon-Conwell Seminary. And Joe told us about one of his sons who was born with a heart defect. And it needed repair. And one of his dear friends, who was a wonderful Christian and a noted surgeon, said, Joe, everything's going to be okay. We can fix this. But the anesthesiologist made a mistake and killed Joe's son. And so he lost his little boy. He and his wife were really just grieved horribly. But God gave them other children, just as we read about God doing for Adam and Eve. And they had a little boy who was just a bundle of joy. He was a delight. So cute, so bright, so sweet. But he developed leukemia. And they battled that disease 
spent a lot of time at Children's Hospital. And he'd get better, and then he'd get worse. And he'd get better, and then he'd relapse. And eventually, I believe he was five years old when he died. And Joe and his wife grieved the loss of another child. But they had a son named Joe for his father. He was carrying on the line. He did have a health problem, however. He was a hemophiliac. Hemophilia is a medical condition where you can't stop bleeding very easily. And there were a number of close calls as he was growing up. But he survived. And he was in college, living for Jesus, witnessing for Jesus, loving Jesus. And he was killed in a car accident. And not because of his hemophilia. It was just a really bad crash that was somebody else's fault. So we're sitting there listening to these stories, and I'm not giving you all the details like he did, and we're crying. And Joe said, but losing those three boys does not give me some sort of authority to teach you about death and dying. He said, the people who can teach you about that are the people who know that they themselves are dying. And it is with that qualification that I stand before you today. Well, you could hear the gasp in that classroom. Joe's dying? Our teacher is dying? And Joe went on, his next sentence was this. By the time we finish this course, all of you will know that you too are dying. Okay, I think I know where he's going with this. This is where he's going with this. It's the reality of the human condition. And people do all kinds of things to try to hide from it, block it out. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to have to deal with it. But whether we face it or not, all of us have a limited lifespan on this earth. I'll tell you something else. This planet has a limited lifespan. 2 Peter 3 says that God is going to destroy the earth with fire and there will be a new heavens and a new earth. And so you and I should not be morbid going around, there's no point in doing anything, I'm just going to die. No, because we have a limited time span to live, there is great significance to what we do. Because we don't know how much time any of us has, we need to make the most of every day. We need to do what God has given us to do in a way that honors him and blesses others. The reason we need to recognize that death is on the horizon 
is not so that we will be discouraged or fearful. It's so that we stop living in fear. When you know that God is the one who is on the throne and that he has numbered our days, then you don't have to fear. You can be courageous. Your courage can be a witness. Why aren't you afraid? Because Jesus has given me eternal life. So that when this body is worn out, my real life is about to begin. I'm about to move from a situation where physically I'm deteriorating into a situation as a follower of Jesus where I'm going to be with him and there will be, as we sang this morning, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more goodbyes. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says of Christians, if in this life only we have hope in Christ Jesus, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ is risen. He's alive. And therefore, we don't have to fear. We can be sad. I mentioned yesterday morning in our worship time together, and thank you all so much for making that such a marvelous time, celebration. But I mentioned that a dear friend had gone to be with the Lord the night before. His family sheds tears, but they also rejoice. Because those who are in Christ know we're going to see each other again. We don't have to be afraid of what's coming, because whatever is coming is going to be so much better for the believer than any possible joy or pleasure we could have here. Got that? You should not be discouraged. I'm going to die. You should be sane. I'm going to die and I'm not worried. I don't know when I'm going to die. My son Clayton alluded to the fact that if I live as long as my mom, I'll still be around in 30 years. I'm, I'm counting on that pig valve to wear out before that. Okay? I, I don't really want to live to be 99 like she did. But God knows. And if what God wants is for me to be in a wheelchair and not know where I am, okay, I wouldn't choose it, but I'm not in charge. And whatever happens, it's going to be okay. Because I can guarantee you this, based on what I know from God's word, in 150 years from now, I'm going to be fine. Okay? And I'll know where I am because I'll be with Jesus. In 150 years, it's all going to be good. Pastor, I 
I think you could probably shorten that timeline now and still say that with confidence. But you see, when I was your age, the age of you students, I was thinking in terms of 150 years out. When things went wrong, when things weren't going my way, when I was sick, when something disappointed me, I thought about, well, 150 years from now, it's not going to matter one bit. Understand? When our son Paul was born with severe birth defects, all kinds of medical challenges, what God impressed on my wife and me is what difference is it going to make in 150 years whether or not he was able to walk in this life? What difference is it going to make in 150 years? You need to be thinking in those terms right now. Because there are things you can do that will make a difference in 150 years. Two very precious friends have joined us in this service this morning. John and Linda Mirabella, we are so glad you are here. Welcome. They live in New Jersey. I live in Tennessee. But we're both going to end up in the same house. And we're going to spend forever together. Because 150 years from now, I'm going to be in my father's house, and they're going to be in their father's house, and we have the same father. We have the same father. And it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be more wonderful than we can imagine. Enoch walked with God. Everybody else, it says, and then he died, and then he died, and then he died. Verse 18 and following, when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years and then he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Sounds like he didn't die. Yeah, it does. Well, did something like that happen to anybody else? One guy. His name is Elijah. And Elijah, rather than dying, was caught up to be with the Lord in a chariot of fire. I've never seen a chariot of fire. I haven't either. What does that look like? I'm guessing it looks kind of like a chariot, only on fire. (laughs) Or maybe just made of fire. It does talk about God making his angels ministering spirits and describes them as being like flames of fire. So I, I, I don't know, I don't know. Here's what I know. Only two people in this book didn't have to undergo death. One's Enoch, and the other one's Elijah. Well, what about Jesus? No, 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 no. 
Jesus died for us. He endured the worst, cruelest death that Rome could devise. And there are still people in the world today inspired by demons using that torturous method of death to kill their enemies, particularly Christians. Jesus voluntarily endured such a death for us. And it was not just the physical torture of that death which was so dreadful. Far more painful was the fact that the one who knew no sin became sin for us. He took our guilt, our shame, our punishment. And because of that, those who trust in him don't have to fear death. Those who trust in Jesus can recognize that he took the sting of death away. I believe it was Alan Redpath who was trying to comfort his children as they were going to his wife's funeral, their mother's funeral. And the children were very understandably grieving. But a truck passed by as they walked along, and the shadow of that truck fell over them for a moment and then passed on. And he said to his children, we have just passed through the shadow of that truck. You and I will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. But Jesus was hit by the truck so that only the shadow will pass over us. Would you rather be hit by the truck or the shadow? His children got it. They understood. I hope you do. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Do we need to face death? Yes. But when we face it as believers, the fear is removed because death cannot harm us we will see the Lord in his glory and nothing can separate us from his love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are the God who created life and you are the God who numbers our days and you are the God who became one of us so that we could have eternal life. Hallelujah. We worship you. Help us to trust you completely and to rejoice in your sovereignty and grant that like Enoch, 
we would walk with you and do your will. And we will give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.